0: Is where we'll be this morning. I want to invite you to turn there. Our key verse is Psalm 90 and verse 12, and I'll go ahead and read that to you as you're turning over to Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. You know, a while back, um, we were—I had gone for a run, and I'd come back home, and we needed to go somewhere. So that means I needed a shower and get dressed quickly. And I took a shower, got dressed. My hair was still wet. I went into the living room, and my daughter Addie started laughing at me. And I said, "What's so funny?" And she said, "You still have shampoo in your hair." And I thought, "Well, that's really weird." So we went and looked in the mirror together, and I said, "Where's the shampoo?" And she pointed right here. And I had to explained to her that's not shampoo; those are called white hairs that are growing. <laughs> as a part of my regular hair. And from that day on, she's been very well aware that her dad is aging. In fact, I am aware that I'm aging. I notice it all the time, and I hear people that are older than me say the same thing, wait till you get to my age. And now I'm saying to younger people, wait till you get to my age. It's just something we say as a part of the aging process. In fact, I'll confess, over the last few years, I've had this weird odd curiosity with human mortality, aka death, or aka the brevity of life. Maybe it's because, maybe it's just because I'm weird and I think about these things. Maybe it's because as a preacher I've wound up at a lot of funerals, probably more than the average person my age. Maybe it's because I deal with the Bible for a living And the Bible talks a lot about death, and so I'm constantly thinking about it. But regardless, I'm very well aware of our own mortality. In fact, when I watch movies now, I have this habit, especially if it's an older movie. I'm watching the movie on the screen, but then I'll look up the actor's age in the present day and look at a picture of them now and how they looked back then. so recently, we were watching Kindergarten Cop, which is a classic movie from my childhood. It came out in 1990, so that means it was filmed in the late 80s, which was three decades ago. So you have Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie in the late 80s, early 90s. And he was starting to get older then, but he was still really buff, big bodybuilder kind of guy. And then I look him up in the year 2018, so three decades later, and this is how he looks, is what I'm looking at. And then I'm looking at how he looked back in the 90s, and I'm thinking, man, just like that. Just like that. Three decades go by. And he's not the old Arnold anymore. You know, life seems to just go by in a flash. So Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90 really invites us into the intersection of the different layers of time. Here's a theological word for you. There's some eschatological tension in Psalm 90. Because the psalmist makes us very aware that there is going to be an end, and that end will come quickly. But yet, we can also look from God's perspective, and God has an eternal perspective. Before we even get into the text, we see at the very top it says Book Four in Roman numerals. Last week we started a sermon series, a short series on the Book of Psalms, and I told you last week that there's five books, and that is done on purpose, 150 psalms total, divided into five books, and that's meant to imitate, to correspond with the law of Moses, the Torah. And those are five books, the first five books of the Old Testament. So we find five books in the book of Psalms, and this morning our text starts at the beginning of book four. You know, Moses, in books one through three, and then in book five, is only mentioned one time. But in book 4, Moses is mentioned seven times. So some scholars will tell you that book 4 has a heavy concentration on Moses. And then before verse 1 starts, right under book 4, it says, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. So what we're told is that according to the ancient tradition, that Moses himself wrote Psalm 90. This is the only psalm that we have that's ascribed to Moses. And if it's true, if this is Moses that wrote this, that means it's the oldest psalm out of all 150 psalms that we have. So last week I invited you, we looked at Psalm 113, I invited you to read Psalm 113 through the lens of Jesus, because that's how the New Testament writers viewed it. And I think that we should still view the psalms through the lens of Jesus, and we'll do that with Psalm 90, but we also invite you this morning to view Psalm 90 through the lens of Moses the supposed composer of this psalm. So we're going to look at it from Moses' perspective, starting in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So it starts in a very similar manner as what we read last week from Psalm 113. The transcendence of God, the greatness of God, the worthiness of God. You are our dwelling place, as what he says from the very beginning, our refuge, if it was translated from the Greek and not the Hebrew. So for Moses, God is his home. God is his dwelling place, whether he is in Egypt, or he's in the wilderness, or he's on Mount Sinai. He always has a home, and that home is with God. So when the Psalms were published, And the Israelites had the Psalms while in exile, living in Babylon. They would have found great comfort in verse 1. That Yahweh doesn't just exist in the temple in Jerusalem, but God is their dwelling place while in exile as well. God is our home. God is our dwelling place. And so God is great. Before the mountains were born, before the earth was formed, God, you are everlasting to everlasting. So praise for God because he deserves it. But he's about to contrast God's everlasting nature to our human mortality. So starting in verse 3 and following, this psalm takes kind of a dark turn. takes a somber turn. Uh, some writers say we should read this in winter time because wintertime, it's gray outside, and it's already kind of dreary, and that's how this psalm turns. So look at verse 3. He says, turn us back to dust. You turn us back to dust, and you say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream. They are like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So God is everlasting, but in verse 3 he says, you can say to mortals, to mortal human beings, turn back to dust. God is everlasting, but we are not. And then in verse 4 he says, a thousand years... It's just like yesterday to God. See, God is not limited to human time like we are. In fact, there's a radical difference between God's time and our time. And as human beings, there's no way that we can comprehend eternity because we're aging and we're, we're mortals and we live within these bodies. And so we, it's hard for us to even fathom eternity. But one day, It's like a thousand years, or a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. This is quoted in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. And when Peter quotes Psalm 90 and verse 4, he's dealing with a group of people who are impatient because Jesus said he's coming back. And they're thinking, well, where is he? Where is the second coming? So Peter's saying, be patient. Because for the Lord, a thousand years is just like a day. So Peter quotes Psalm 90 in verse 4. And then you get to verse 5, and I'm reading from a new revised standard, and he says, you sweep them away like a dream. So I imagine when you guys go to sleep at night, maybe occasionally, or maybe every night, you have dreams. To me, that's when you have good sleep is when you have a good dream. And you know it's a really good nap in the afternoon if you have a dream during your nap. That's a really good nap. But most of the time we have dreams probably early in the morning when we're hitting that REM cycle. I'm no sleep expert, but we, that's when we dream and our heart rate gets up and then we wake up. And occasionally we have dreams that are scary, right? We have dreams that'll get your heart rate up and you sweat a little bit, and then you wake up and you're relieved. Ah, it was just a dream. And then as the morning goes on, that dream fades into a distant memory, and then by the end of the day, we can't even remember what our dream was about. And Moses writes, and he tells us, that's kind of what life is like. It's like a dream. It's very real for a moment, and then just like that, it's over. Or he says, at the end of verse 4 and verse 5 or 6, he says, it's like grass. Human lives were like a dream or were like grass, Grass that's here in the morning and then by the evening, it's withered. You know, if you're like me and you forgot to water your grass or you just failed to water your grass, I now have little brown spots throughout our front yard because the heat of the day comes and summer hit quickly this year, and that green grass quickly turns to brown stuff. I would say grass, hay, whatever you want to call it, those brown spots. And he says, so that's kind of what life is like. It's like grass that's here in the morning, it's renewed by the dew, and then all of a sudden the sun hits it and it's withered and it's gone, and that's what life is like. It's here and then it's gone. The brother of Jesus, James, when he writes the book of James in the New Testament, in chapter 4 and verse 14, James says, what is your life? He poses that question. He says, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I can picture James having memorized all the Psalms as a kid, knowing Psalm 90 by heart while he's writing that passage, thinking about what Moses wrote here. Our lives are like a dream or like grass. So in Psalm 90, he gives us a glimpse of how quickly life goes by. And then verse 7 and 8, he says, We are consumed by your anger, by your wrath. We are overwhelmed. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in light of your countenance. So that verse kind of has a bit of doom to it. We're consumed by your anger, and it mentions our secret sins. And if we're taking honest inventory of ourselves, there's probably that verse is a little bit scary. But still, we can read verses like that through the lens of Jesus. And we take our sins serious, but so did Jesus. And that's partly why he eventually came to die on the cross for us. In verse 9, he says, All our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end with a sigh. Or some versions say, "Our, our years come to an end with a moan. So they come and they go and life is over. And then in verse 10, The days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away or they quickly pass and we fly away. So that first part, it says the days of our life, 70 to 80 years. Now I realize that as I'm reading this, some of you are pushing 70, you're in your 70s, you're in your 80s. So if this verse scares you a little bit, keep in mind that if Moses wrote this, Moses lived to be 120 years old. So you're really just getting started if you're going to live to be as old as Moses. That's Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. So we don't know when Moses wrote this. We can picture him composing this psalm while he's in the wilderness, probably in the last part of his life. But he's just kind of given generalization. You know, most humans live to be about 70 or 80. and They're filled with toil and trouble. They quickly pass, and then we fly away. A preacher named Josh Graves, if you're on Twitter and maybe you've seen Twitter polls occasionally. He's on Twitter. He did a short poll on Twitter. Nothing official, just his own poll. It was one question, and then if you were going to vote in this poll, you gave one answer, either yes or no. And the question was this. If you could know the exact time and date of your death, would you want to know? If you could know the exact time and date of your death, would you want to know... 72% 72% of people said, no, I wouldn't want to know, but still 28% of people said, yes, if that was possible, if that information was available, then yes, I would like to know. Me personally, I don't know how you would answer that poll, but I would put no, because I don't think mentally I could handle it, and I think there's a reason why you know, God does not reveal that sort of information to us. We don't know the exact time or date, but what this psalm is telling us is it's going to happen because it happens to everybody. Whether it's 70 years or 80 years, our days quickly pass and we're soon gone. So there's kind of a warning in that. And back in 2014, a new product came out. It was a wristwatch called Ticker. It was T-I-K-K-E-R. And when you get the watch, it's a, it's a countdown watch. It doesn't tell you the exact time. It counts down Uh, Days, hours, minutes, and seconds, constantly counting down on the face of the watch. So when you get the watch, you fill out information about yourself, your age, your weight, how much you exercise, your lifestyle, if you drink or smoke, and all these things, and then it has an algorithm built into it based on what the federal government uses for life expectancy. So once you type in all your information, it gives you your life expectancy, and then it begins counting down. So every time you look at the watch, it's counting down to when you're expected to die. Now, whoever invented this thought it was a good idea, but it got a lot of bad reviews. Surprised, by based on your size from the audience, you probably wouldn't want this watch either. But the guy who invented it, he calls it the happiness watch. Because he said it reminds him constantly of how short life is, and to be intentional about how he lives. but other people thought it was just kind of morbid. But regardless, Moses tells us, Psalm 90, verse 10, our days quickly pass, and then we fly away. And then, in verse 11, who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. You know, death is the great equalizer amongst human beings. We all know that it's going to happen. No matter how rich or poor we may be, that's something that we can't stop. I read an article where Google is trying to solve the diseases of aging, but they know that's not going to happen. Death is coming for everyone. So our life is like a dream or like grass, and our days quickly pass and we fly away. But then he talks about the Lord's anger again in verse 11. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. So as human beings, we have a tendency of taking our sin and our human mortality a little too lightly. And we need to be reminded occasionally of how short life is and how someday we will have to stand before our Creator. So he says all these words, what life is like, how short life is, and then in verse 12, our key verse, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So a few years ago... Um, we had this at the church I was at previously, we had what's called an intentional family seminar. We brought in one of my old professors who had been in youth and family ministry for years and has a master's degree and a doctorate degree in family studies. So we thought it would be a good, he'd be a good speaker to bring in for the weekend to teach us about being intentional with our children, um, to teach us how to practice spiritual disciplines with our children in the home and he had us do a craft, which I thought was kind of weird, and we all got a jar for each child, and we did simple math. We did 18 minus our child's age times 52, and then you would get that many beads, and you would put it in a jar, and the point of it was you put it in your bathroom or somewhere where you'll be every day, and at the end of each week, take a bead out, and then pray, And that will serve as a reminder to be intentional with your child for that week because as you see the beads diminish, that's your time with your child diminishing. So I was thinking, well, that sounds like a good reminder, but uh, we noticed in the audience that most of the moms had a scowl on their face and they did not grab a jar and they did not grab beads and they did not like this project because what was supposed to serve as a good reminder of limited time uh, actually sounded morbid to most people in the room. And as you notice, uh, we didn't really participate either. We just found this in the box l- uh, later this week, so our, That's not an accurate amount of beads, but I was thinking about Psalm 90 and verse 12. Teach us to number our days, and it just, the thought crossed my mind that what if these beads represented my days? And I took one out each day And I see the the beads go down, and it serves as a reminder that our days quickly pass, and we're soon gone, according to Moses. Or maybe if that's not morbid enough for you, some historians would say that uh, medieval scholars would place a human skull on their bookshelf. So as they would study, they would look at the human skull, and that would remind them of the brevity of life. It would remind them that their days are limited, human mortality. So whether it's a jar of beads or a human skull on your bookshelf, which I didn't have one of those to use as an object lesson today, but we don't like to be reminded of this. And maybe those are too, a little bit too extreme, but we just don't like to be reminded of these things. Dr. Richard Beck in his book, Stranger God, he calls this our animal reminder or our mortality reminder. Reminder. And he says that as Americans, we do not like to be reminded of our mortality. That's why if you look on movies or TV shows or what, the images we look at on our social media, we like to be reminded of youthfulness and energy and things like that. And he said as Americans, we have a death denial. Where anything that reminds us of death, we like to push it away so that we don't have to think about it. And maybe that's true. Maybe we do that. And maybe some of these examples are too morbid, but regardless, Moses says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So knowing our limited time, being aware of our human mortality, there's actually wisdom that can be gained from that. That we can be intentional with the days that we do have, because there's still purpose for the time that we have here. So we can live intentionally. Intentionally. Take a look at Jesus. You know, look at his life. Jesus lived the most intentional life of any human who's ever been and yet Jesus knew that his days on this earth were numbered. If you use the gospel of Luke as an example in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, Luke tells us Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And then Luke has the longest travel narrative of any gospel writer. So for most of Luke, Jesus is walking willingly into his death. Jesus knows that his days are numbered. And because of that, he is very intentional with how he lives. So this psalm reminds us to be aware of our own mortality so that we will live intentionally. Look at verse 13. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. This turn, O Lord, how long? You know, this is... Similar language that you see in some of the lament psalms, out of the all 150 of them. But you can picture Moses being in the wilderness after the Israelites have worshipped idols, and he's asking God to turn his anger back to have compassion on his people for what they've done. And then in verse 14, the psalm kind of perks up a little bit. It's not quite as somber. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So somewhat paradoxically, verse 12 tells us to number our days, but then verse 14 tells us to be glad all of our days. Verse 15, make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper us for the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. So in verse 12, it says, teach us. In verse 14, it says, satisfy us with your unfailing love. In verse 15, it says, make us glad. Teach us, satisfy us, make us. The way this psalm wraps up is our dependence on God. We have limited time. In fact, we stand at the threshold of both human time and God's time, and Psalm 90 reminds us of that, but the way it ends is our dependence on God. Teach us, make us, satisfy us. If our days are going to count on this earth, we have to be dependent on God. There are great gifts in knowing that someday our days will come to an end. And one of those gifts is that we live as intentionally as possible. A woman named Bonnie Ware was a hospice hospice nurse for several years. Uh, She wrote an online article a few years ago called Regrets of the Dying. You know, as a hospice nurse, and I've been around hospice nurses, and they do great work, she spends time with people those last three weeks of their life. So in summary of decades of doing this, she wrote down what she hears people say most often. She said in the last 12 weeks of their lives, most men say, I regret working as many hours as I did. Not that working is bad, we need to work, but she said the obsessive nature to work all the time, usually in the last three months of their life, men will say, I wish I wouldn't have worked as much. Women usually say, I wish I would have shared my feelings more often. And both men and women consistently say, I wish I would have invested more friendships, and relationships. So the last three months of their lives, when people have the most clarity about what's most important as they're facing death, these are the things they regret. But she said no one ever said in her entire time, no one ever said, I wish I would have had more money. I wish I would have received more promotions. I wish I would have had more stuff. Nobody ever says that. But she said, at the end of their lives, when they have the most clarity about what's most important, the things that we spend so much time chasing after are no longer important to us. Our time is limited. And Moses tells us to teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And if we were going to read that through the lens of Jesus, teach us to number our days so that we can learn to be as Christ-like as possible. So that we can imitate Jesus with the short lives that we have, and pass on faith to the next generation. We have limited time. And this is a reminder to me, you know, if if you've ever had a brush with death, if you've ever been really guilty of a sin that you've been caught in, those are reminders to take sin and death serious. Because we know that someday we're going to have to give an account for our lives. So if you realize this and you know this, don't put off, coming to Christ until another time, because we don't know that we're promised another day. If you know you need to make a change or forgive someone or go talk to someone, don't put that off. Let's make the most of the time that we have while we still have it. And let's honor God and be dependent on God all of our days. This morning, we're going to offer an invitation while we sing a few more songs. And this is kind of part of the normal routine. Hey, there's shepherds in the back. I'll be up front. There'll be a shepherd up front. But we want you to know that this is an opportunity to either come up front or grab a shepherd and spend some time in prayer. Or if you need to, if you're a little more private, set up a time to have a conversation later today or tomorrow. But if something's on your heart right now, use this opportunity.